You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Great many wonderful things in my life, but fireworks blasting off in the falling snow? That had avoided me. Thanks to the Green Bay Packers, that avoids me no longer. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's hard-fought, hard-nosed, nail-biting, edge-of-your-seat 24-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers on Sunday at Lambeau Field, a game yours truly was in attendance for. More on that in a bit, of course, but being there is the reason why I'm coming to you a little later than I usually do, Monday instead of Sunday, today being Veterans Day, a huge, gigantic thank you to all who served or are currently serving. Can't thank you enough for all you do for us. We can't do what we do without you brave men and women. You know, I, I thought about doing the show last night, but honestly, my voice was so fried. I sounded I sounded like a Midwestern version of LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. And oh my God, if you know who he is, oh my God, you would have hated that. But I was loud, damn it. They said, get loud, Lambo, And I did just that. I did my part. Actually, my voice still isn't 100% yet, as you can probably tell. But I'm fighting through it. Because you know what? That's what the pros do. That's what champions do. They fight through it. With the win, the Packers improved to 8-2 and two on the season as they head into their bye week. They remain one game plus the tiebreaker ahead of the 7-3 and three Minnesota Vikings, who teamed up with Jason Garrett to defeat the Dallas Cowboys 28-24 in Dallas on Sunday night. See, that's why I didn't want to root for Dallas in that one. I saw some people on Twitter saying we had to become Cowboys fans for the night or for like the next three hours or whatever, and I just, I just couldn't do that. It's a lose-lose situation, really. If they win, great. The Vikings lost, but you lessened yourself by rooting for Dallas. And if they lose, the Cowboys lose, you feel stupid for rooting for them. Somehow I knew they'd screw us over and lose, and well, I was right. Anyways, the Chicago Bears are now in third place at 4-5 and five as a result of their 20-13 win over the Matthew Stafford-less Detroit Lions at Soldier Field. So congratulations on that, I guess. And by losing, the Lions are now in their familiar home, last place in the North at 3-5-1. and one. It's just so sad for the Lions every year, isn't it? Don't you think? Sad. I, I don't even want to really make fun of I kind of don't even like making fun of them. It's just so sad. Before we get into the fun, I'd like to mention the social media and email accounts. Got to do some shameless self-promotion, as you know. The Twitter is Lemp's Talk... Or, uh, Excuse me. Lemps MKE at It's Just Chris Now. The Facebook is Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. And the email is Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. And I'd like to thank all the listeners who sent emails last week regarding the show. Got some actual emails. That was great. It's funny. I've been mentioning the email address all season and no one's really sent anything. Then, like last week, I go, It doesn't matter, anyways. I know none of you will email me. And then you do. Either way, it was great. I had one person call me the John Oliver of Packers Podcasts. The John Oliver of Packers Podcasts. 
And that was, of course, really flattering. That really made me smile. Thank you to the person who sent that. Uh, I take that as a huge compliment, a real honor. And, you know, I was thinking because of that, I'm going to begin the show by branching out a little bit and talking politics because, you know, what brings people together more than that, right? All right, first topic. No, I'm just bullshitting. I would never do that. Can you imagine? I can almost feel all of you diving for the stop button right now. So don't worry. That was only a joke. I'm all about bringing people together. You know, that's my thing. I'm a uniter. That's what, that's what, that's what your old pal Lemps does. So yeah, Lemps talking politics will never be a thing. I can assure you. So, okay, let's talk about the game, shall we? Crazy weather, man. Feels like I should start there because, you know, we all knew heading in, it was going to be cold. That, that wasn't a shock. But the snow was a total surprise unless there was like a last second change in the forecast. I hadn't seen any snow forecast. Even watching ESPN uh, Sunday morning, they said, well, yeah, it's supposed to be, you know, about 33 a kickoff, be in the 20s by the end of the game. But there was no snow talked about. Uh, and then it started snowing really, really lightly. And I guess it was like the second quarter. I said to my wife, hey, is it snowing? And she's like, yeah, I guess so, huh? And then, as you saw, it just it never stopped. It picked up more and more. And by the end, it felt like you were in a snow globe. It's really, it's a cool thing to be a part of. I was, I'm lucky enough I've experienced it once before. Um, I was at the Steelers game. It was in December, the year Rodgers got hurt. Uh, the first time he hurt his collarbone. So Matt Flynn, Eddie Lacy had a big day. They had a chance to, I can't remember, it was either tied or win it at the end. And Matt Flynn just overshot Jared Boykin in the end zone. He had Jordy Nelson wide open. So, shitty result, but yeah, it was, it was a cool environment. It's just, it's the coolest if you can be a part of it. Driving home and it sucked, right? But during the game, it was great. So, as for the action actually taking place on the Snowy Lambeau turf Sunday, you know, the biggest takeaway for me was the job turned in by the defense against all-world Carolina running back Christian McCaffrey. Surefire MVP candidate, the league leader in all-purpose yards coming into the game, though he has since been passed by Minnesota's Dalvin Cook. Uh, I mean, that was obviously, the you know, coming into the game, that was the biggest question for the pack, right? How could they, I mean, forget stopping McCaffrey. How could they even slow him down a little bit, considering the monster season he's been having and how poorly the Green Bay run defense has performed? I mean, a lot of people were joking, oh, McCaffrey might have 250 or 250 all-purpose yards, 200, 250 all-purpose yards against his defense. Except they weren't really kidding, right? Because those seem like numbers he could definitely hit. Now, I do want to say, oh, I got a drink. My voice is still a little fried again, as, as I said earlier. Now, McCaffrey did finish with 141 total yards, right? 108 rushing, 33 receiving, and a touchdown on 26 touches. Which, that seems like quite a bit, but really it's just over 5.4 yards per touch, which you'll live with. And considering he was averaging about 26 touches and 156 total yards per game coming into Sunday, I think you can definitely give the Packers D a win here. I mean, he's simply too good to stop completely. But again, they slowed him down just enough more than enough. They really did a nice job limiting him in terms of big plays, too. His longest rush was only 18 yards. His longest reception was just 11, which was huge. As for schematic stuff, I don't know. I don't think Green Bay's D really did anything fancy. I just Guys got off blocks better. They swarmed to the ball with a higher frequency. Tackled better, right? Kenny Clark looking like the Kenny Clark we know and love. 
after a fairly quiet season thus far, though he has battled multiple injuries. That helped a great deal here, too, as Pro Football Focus had him as the highest-graded Packers defensive player Sunday. Kind of, you know, iffy on Pro Football Focus, but when they say nice things, I go, okay, maybe they're not bad. (laughs) Uh, You know, things just look so different for that defense in the best possible way when Clark is dominating. And I, I would categorize yesterday as a dominant Kenny Clark performance. And the intensity level seemed to go up a notch, which is what you'd hope for when playing against such a talented back. And I mean, man, is, is McCaffrey talented? Holy hell. One thing that really impressed me about him is how smart he is. That is really obvious watching him. He knows when to explode through the hole at 110 miles an hour, and he knows exactly when to stay patient and follow his blo- uh, his blockers. I said his bloggers, what? His blockers zigging and zagging and step with them. It's really, he knows what to do. He's just really, he's really an intelligent back, you can tell. And, you know, I got to say, I also, I came away pretty impressed with Carolina's quarterback, Kyle Allen, too. Allen, who's been starting in place of the injured Cam Newton most of the season. I mean, he didn't have a monster day, right, per se. 28 of 43, 307 yards, one touchdown, one pick, one fumble lost. But I thought he made a number of really impressive throws and handled himself really well on the road against, you know, a damn good team. Yes, the Packers are still a damn good team, even if last week made you think otherwise. And he did so in a really a tough environment. I mean, Green Bay's and I mean Green Bay's pass rush got after him, man. They pressured his ass all day long to the tune of nine quarterback hits, three sacks, two of which came from Preston Smith, who now has ten. He has ten already on the season. What an awesome signing. Preston and the Smiths have been so great. It's just incredible. So, I mean, it wasn't like the, the pass rush stunk or had a bad day. But, I mean, that kid just hung tough. No matter what. Especially on that final drive, man. Picking up fourth downs. Hitting big throws. I think the Panthers have a keeper there. I, I would think they could move on from Cam Newton after this season. You know, I wasn't really sure coming into the game. But after watching him... I think that kid's a player, man. Absolutely. But luckily, the Packers, speaking of that final drive, I mean, they were able to stop McCaffrey at the very end and bring home the win, which then set off the fireworks I mentioned in the opening. It was just fireworks in the snow. It's <laughs> it's 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 really cool. It was really it was just really it was really a special thing to see that. Um, and you know, great work from Kyler Fackrell on that final play too. Got to give him a shout out. Allen, I mean, I I think. It's. I'd even go as far as I'd even say that he outplayed Aaron Rodgers in this game. I mean, Rodgers, he wasn't terrible by any stretch, but he definitely didn't have a game to write home about, I didn't think. 17-29, 233 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He made a couple of really nice throws. Obviously, the 37-yard completion to uh, Devontae Adams down the right sideline was another one, the Rodgers special, where he had to drop it into a freaking bucket, and he did. <laughs> on a drive that ultimately led to an Aaron Jones touchdown run. But I felt like he really left some plays on the table as well. I mean, a big one, third and goal to Carolina 7 late in the first half. Rodgers has Alan Lazard wide open. I mean, Lazard was wide open in the end zone. Rodgers just overshot him. And yeah, Green Bay got a first down there anyways because of the illegal use of the hands call that gave him first and goal at the 1. But you saw what they did with it. As Jamal Williams was stuffed on the final play of the half when Matt LaFleur opted to go for it instead of kicking a field goal. If Rodgers just makes a good throw, a solid throw to, to Lazard, we don't even have to worry about that play. 
But I do want to get in real quick. I want to talk about that because you know what? I like the decision. Look, I was at the game and I was yelling, go, go, go in the stands. As soon as they called that penalty on Carolina, I was like, go, go. Keep the offense on the field. Don't, no, no, no. Just go for it. Because, I mean, look, we lambasted McCarthy for years for being too conservative. And a lot of the time we were right to do so. Mike Mack would have definitely kicked the field goal there. And everyone, or most people, I think, would have complained about it. So if Lafleur just, you know, if Lafleur does the opposite, well, you can't be mad about that too, right? I just hated the play call. I mean, you pay Rodgers a bajillion dollars a year for these spots. Put the ball in his hands and let him make a play. And if you are going to run it, don't run up the middle. Christ, that's the most obvious thing you could have done there. I'm crazy. I mean, they had two timeouts. They're, they first theirs, and then the one Carolina took to come up with something, and that's all they had? I think they were trying to do the old, it's so obvious they'll never see it coming trick, and it backfired. But a good lesson for Lafleur, and I hope he stays aggressive in those spots, right? Just call a different play. But don't lose the aggression. I like that. All right, so back to Rodgers now. He also missed Devontae deep down the middle in the third quarter because he didn't throw it soon enough. All right, so that one, I I was sitting up in row 60, right? It used to be, that's where I usually sit for the games because I try. I usually get, go like once a year. It used to be the back row of Lambeau. I used to be able to look over the rail and see the parking lot. That was before the renovation. But anyways, being way up like that, I could see Adams was open well before Rodgers threw it. I mean, I was up there going, now, now, throw, Aaron, throw, throw. But he waited just a tick too long, and it ended up incomplete. So that drive ends in a field goal. So still points on the board, but still, maybe that ends with a touchdown instead. Also, you know, why is he stopped throwing to Aaron Jones? No official targets for him Sunday, though he did have one nice completion to him, to Jones that got called back on a penalty on David Bakhtiari. Uh, but I mean, three targets last week, none this week. After he had seven catches for a buck 59 and two scores against KC. That's not good enough. And I mean, some of it is right there for him. There was a pass to Adams down the sideline near the end zone. Shit, he had Jones wide open when Jones was, Jones had lined up wide. He had him wide open on a slant route, I should say, when Jones had lined up wide. Jones probably takes that to the house. I mean, Rodgers has to look for him there. But he just locked in on Adams. That's, you know, that's, he's got to get, that's, that's got to improve. Now, obviously, it was not all doom and gloom for the offense. You might think, based on what I said it was, it was not. Actually, the rest of that unit performed quite well, I'd say, and that all started up front. The offensive line, after an abysmal showing against the Chargers, abysmal, turned it in excellent performance Sunday, both in run and pass blocking. This is from ESPN's Field Yates. What a name. Field Yates. How is he not a history professor at Harvard with that name? Or like Dartmouth. He should be an economics professor at Dartmouth with that name, I think. Um, anyways, the Packers offensive line created 3.6 yards before contact per rush on Sunday, and Aaron Rodgers was pressured on a season-low four dropbacks. That unit continues to be one of the league's truly dominant position groups this season. And I mean, everything Yates said there is true, right? I mean, that's with Bakhtiari still not playing as well as we're used to seeing. Though I think his back injury from earlier this season is still an issue. Even though he's not really on the injury report anymore, I think that's I think that's been been messing with him all year. Hopefully the bye week helps that. And you know, the outstanding work from the offensive line led to a huge day on the ground. 
for Jones and Jamal Williams as the pair racked up 156 yards combined. 93 for Jones, 63 for Williams on 26 carries. Each player had 13 attempts. Jones also hit Pater three times as he is now tied with McCaffrey for the league lead in that category with 14. Here's another fun tidbit, this courtesy of ESPN Next Gen Stats. Jones scored all three of his rushing touchdowns against a loaded box. So how about that? That kid, man, he just has a nose for the end zone. You know, you get it, you get him the ball, you hand him, you hand him the ball anywhere near, anywhere inside the red zone. I just, I feel like he's going to take it to the house. Not that he does every time, but I just, I feel like he's going to. You know, I, you know, and I got to be honest, I, I didn't realize how much I loved him until the player intros. When they said his name, man, I lost my shit. I love that kid. I was going showtime, showtime. He's a total package. Speed, smarts, vision. He can slash, but he can run at you as well. It's all there. It's all there for him. I don't know if he's quite an MVP candidate, as as Roger suggested after the game, but I would say he's maybe sort of entering that conversation. He's on the fringes of that conversation, let's say. Maybe if his quarterback passed him the ball a little bit more, he'd fully enter it. And I mean, Jamal Williams, Jesus, what a tough runner he is. That weather Sunday was perfect. Jamal Williams weather. He runs so hard. He was just going straight at the Panthers defenders. And being there, I really noticed. One thing I think I was able to notice a little bit more being there as opposed to watching at home. Once it got into the second half, man, the Panthers defenders collectively, they were becoming more and more leery of trying to tackle him. They just kind of didn't want any part of it. He could, you know, it's because he has that mentality. And with the weather being what it is now and what it's going to be as we progress into November and December and January, he's just such an excellent weapon for the Packers to have. You know, he's going to play a huge, huge part in a big, big game, you know, at some point between now and the end of the season at Lambeau. I'll predict that right now. And you know what? Some nice blocking from Graham, from Jimmy Graham and the receivers, too. I don't want to forget their collective efforts in that department. Jimmy Graham blocking. I mean, everybody in my section, we were stunned. We were all looking at each other like, did Jimbo just deliver a block? Did he just did he just hammer a guy? That he did. And Adams, speaking of receivers, Adams, after a tough First game back from the turf toe injury against L.A. Looked much more like the Adams we all love. Racking up seven catches for 118 yards. And as stated earlier, he could have had even more. Quarterback just didn't throw the ball early enough. You know, I talked last week about the offense looking disjointed against L.A. as it was clear they were trying to figure out how to mesh what they were with Adams healthy earlier in the year. Earlier in the year. Oh, I came out wrong. Early in there with what they became when he was out with the injury. This week, I thought those two offenses, which again were very different offenses, meshed much better. There was a better mix of Adams and the Jones-Williams duo and a better idea of kind of when to go to, to which player. It's still not great yet. Again, they have to get Jones more involved in the passing game like he was with Adams out. But it was a very positive step. If I wasn't quite sure they'd get there after last week, I feel much better about it now, I'll say that. I think it will happen. They will mesh these two offenses perfectly. Uh, So yeah, you know, all in all, a nice return to form for the Packers in this one. It wasn't the greatest performance of all time, but the big thing is the overall energy level returned after the lifeless showing against the Chargers. 
you could tell this team was embarrassed by how it performed in that game, and it was it was ready to get back to its normal performance level, and the Packers did just that. Keeping pace in both the division race with Minnesota and the race for a first-round bye in the process. And, you know, that also, I think that bodes really well for the rookie head coach. As LaFleur showed, he was able to keep last week's stinker from starting some sort of downward spiral, which I think is always a fear with rookie head coaches. You know, McCarthy had that. They... You know, McCarthy's first year, they had a loss, and then it turned into another bad loss, and another bad loss. Now, Mike ultimately righted the ship by the end of the year, but he had a couple of really rough stretches that, that first season. LaFleur so far steered clear of that, which is great. Okay, so in this spot, normally I would take your tweets. But since it's Monday night, that seems silly. Instead, I figured I would just share some of my highlights of my day at the game, my day in Green Bay. First thing, the drive up is just such a special drive, right? In my case, I drive up from Appleton. My wife and I drive up from Appleton. Darboy, to be exact, shout out to Darboy. It's just, it's so cool. You're like part of, it feels like you're just part of this pilgrimage, you know? Maybe not everybody on the road is going up to Green Bay, but you feel like at least 95% of the people, the other cars on the road are going up to Green Bay. It's just, it's really special. I know that sounds pretentious. I don't give a shit. It's just true. You feel like this caravan, you're in this pilgrimage. It's awesome. Uh, parked at the Ace Hardware on Southridge Road. 25 bucks. But I recommend it. You're still pretty close to everything, and you, and it's a little bit cheaper. Um, the smell when you first get out of the car, right? I know that probably sounds silly, but the smell, man. The freaking smell. It's this combination of, like, grills and beer and fall and football, it just, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, I think. It's just, it's incredible. It's just, it's something else, man. I wish I could bottle it and I could wear it as like a perfume. I'm wearing my hoodie still that I wore to the game just because I like that smell. It just, I feel like I can still smell Lambo on me. Uh, tailgated a couple different spots. Started out at Hinterland Brewery in the Titletown District. Which is my first time there. I'm kind of ashamed to say that I hadn't really checked out the Titletown District yet. I just sort of driven by it. I'd never actually been in it. It's really cool. It's a really it's a really cool spot, you know? It's fun for family. They have family sort of activities, but then they serve beer for the adults and they have music. It's really it's cool. I, I dug it. Um The beer was a little I mean, it was ten bucks at Hinterland. I know people are trying to make a buck, but ten dollars. Seemed a little high. I went with this beer called the Lunatic, which was the highest alcohol content they had for the beer. It was nine and a half percent. But I like for ten bucks, right? Like I'm like I got to get my money's worth. So I drank one and went, whoa, Nelly, holy shit! I was already like, ooh, I'm kind of feeling this. Like halfway through, I was like, whoa. So the Lunatic at Hinterland is I can I can. Vouch for that. That is strong as shit. Um, and then we headed over to Kroll's, my wife and I, uh, my bestest friend in the world, my former podcast host, the Old Bag of Donuts show, Adam Summers and his wife. The four of us then, we met up at Hinterland, then we headed over to Kroll's, right? Kroll's is, I mean, it's classic. It's just, it's the bomb. It's classic. It's just, you know, they got the band, everybody's outside, they got TVs. It's great. So that, you know, I've been to Kroll's before, obviously, but that was every time I go, it's great. So we had a nice buzz at this point. It's about 2.35. Time to walk up to the game. Time to walk across the street to Lambeau. The walk up is special. 
for everybody who hasn't been to a Packer game, when you go, that's going to be the part you'll probably remember most or right near the top. That walk-up, as you're walking up to Lambeau Field, like, I've been going to games since 1993. That never gets old. That shit never gets old walking up. It's just like, and that's not just because I had an alcohol buzz on. That's not what it was. Because even before I could drink, when I, this is, there's something about walking up, you just like, I'm going to go inside Lambeau Field. I cannot believe I'm going to be going inside Lambeau Field. It's just incredible. Love it. Um... So yeah, it's it's just it's and then every time I walk into Lambo and they scan my ticket, it's weird. It's like I know my ticket isn't fake, but you have that feeling of when you hand the ticket over, it's like, oh, she's gonna scan it, and it's gonna beep, just beep, and then when it turned green and beep, I was like, yeah. Every time I have no idea why. I think just because I'm so excited. You know, I have that feeling of like, oh my god, I'm I'm walking into Lambo Field. Here we go. I I've never lost that feeling. Um what else? Okay, so now the game starts. Now, I got to talk about this because I don't know if everybody knows this or not. For years and years and years, the Packers came out to get ready for this. You know, bum, 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 They don't come out to that anymore now. They have now changed it. They come out to sabotage by the Beasties. And look, I was always again, and I know, I you know I'd heard about that. And I didn't know how I'd feel about it fully until I actually went to the to a game. Because I've always been a get ready for this guy. I know it's cheesy as hell. It's jock jams, baby. But, like, I'm a 90s kid. So, I, I remember. I love that. Gets me hype. Some people probably would, you know, snicker or whatever. But I, it gets me hype, man. So, I wasn't really feeling great about it. And then as soon as they kicked into Sabotage, I was like, oh, my God. Because I love the Beasties, right? I've loved the Beastie Boys since I was a little kid. So, when that, when Sabotage kicked in, I was like, okay. You know what? It was a good change to make. <laughs> Because that song just still gets me hyped, too. Love it. Um, I definitely yelled nice, as they said, number 69, David Bakhtiari, during the offensive. In- they introduced the offense this uh, week. Because I'm just stuck at 13 years old, apparently. My wife really loved that. She was like, really? Nice? When they said number 69. I can't help it. I can't help it. I uh, had some beers at the game. Uh, started to get kind of cold in the second half. I thought at halftime I would go grab the $10.75 hot chicken bites, thinking they would warm me up. Snake eyes on that roll. They did not. <laughs> they were just really hot. They made my mouth scorching hot. I don't know what kind of fire Carolina Reaper sauce they put on those hot bites, but they're hot. I didn't do anything else, though. It didn't make any other parts of me hot, just my mouth. So it totally backfired on me. Plus, I was out ten seventy five. And I've and I got a souvenir cup. I got a I need I I feel like I needed to pick me up for the second half. So I got the coat. I got a Coke. And I had to get the souvenir cup because I'm like addicted to souvenir cups. Wherever I go, if they're like, oh, souvenir cup. It's only a dollar more. I'm like, oh, I gotta get the souvenir cup. Which my wife hates. <laughs> she hates it. She's like, why? We we have too many cups. You don't need another cup. And I'm like, but I do. I know, but I can't help it. I know we don't, but I do, and I just I gotta get it, and I got it. I had to carry it in my pocket all the way, you know, after the game and then outside to the car, to the bar afterwards. I kept it, though. I still have the souvenir cup. Um, This was weird walking after the game, right? So it's always fun to walk outside Lambeau, especially, like, into the snow. You're like, well, we won. Everybody's really happy. It's a great mood. And I walk by these, we walk by these two dudes. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I, I tweeted this out last night. 
We walk by these two dudes. One guy's got a Bakhtiari jersey on. The other guy's got a Craig Newsom jersey on. Old school. I think it was a starter Craig Newsom jersey. It might have been a logo athletic. It was, it was old. But they were both chanting, my wife left me. So it's like, my wife left me. And I'm like, and my wife and I both just sort of stared at him. Like, as we walked past him, like, why the hell are they chanting, my wife left me? I thought, there's a story there. And I don't know if I want to hear it. But maybe I do. Like, I was like, did one guy's wife leave him? And the other guy was showing solidarity. Did both their wives leave them? Is this like a sports talk Barry thing where they're just kind of trying to be funny and get attention? I had no idea. But somebody said I should have got him on the podcast. And believe me, if I could have, if I would have been able to, I would have. If I knew who they were. Uh, okay, so that, <laughs> I'm just rambling now. Uh, after that, we went back to Hinterland. My wife and I and uh, Adam and his wife for some victory beers. Before getting back on the road to Darboy. Shout out to Darboy. So, yeah, just, you know, an incredible day. Just every time, excuse me, I don't know how many times I've gone, but every time I go, it's just, I don't know the total number of times I've been to Lambeau, but it's just incredible. It never gets old. And if you haven't been, you got to try to go. I know it's expensive, especially if you got to get a hotel. They gouge you on the prices. But if there's any way you can go, if you haven't yet, you have to go. It's just incredible. Like, even seeing Panthers fans after the game, they didn't seem that sad because they went to Lambeau in the snow. So, you know, just it's a total you have it. Even if it's on your bucket list, cross it off as soon as you can. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about my experience at the game. Uh, okay. So now, as you know, the Packers head into their bye week. Hopefully they can rest up, heal up before they head to San Francisco for what looks like not only the game of the year in the NFC, but really, the entire league thus far. The Niners are now 8-1 and one after losing an overtime to the Seattle Seahawks. They play the Arizona Cardinals next week, so it sure feels like they're going to be 9-1 and one heading into that game. I know upsets happen, but it feels like they're going to win that game. They'll bounce back, and it'll be 9-1. and one. Whatever their record is, if it's 8-2, and 9-1, and one, that game is going to be an absolute battle with major titanic playoff implications, and I can't wait. The bye week stinks. I know the players need it, but what about me? What am I supposed? What am I supposed to do? Watch other football? I do, but there's just the juice just isn't there. You know, the Packers are what make all the other games exciting. Then you watch other games, and it's like I love football. It's like yeah, I'm into it, but with no Packer game to look forward to, it's just it takes the edge off. It's just you know what I mean. All right, so and I'm not sure right now if I'll be doing a uh, bi-week podcast. I'm kicking around a couple of ideas that I might go through with for next week. I'm not sure yet, but I'll keep you all posted one way or the other. Uh, If not, I will definitely be back after the San Francisco game, win, lose, or draw. So until next time, whenever that is, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lem's Talk and Pack. Thank you all for listening. Go. Pack. Go.